hopefully I don't laugh too loud. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be terrible. Oh no. Look how loud I laughed. Yeah, that was good. Ha ha ha. You can always tell when it's a real laugh because it'll like it'll definitely spike. <laughs> 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 Look at that pity laugh over oh. there. Look at that waveform. <laughs> Look at that one. Welcome back to the Off Five a podcast, where we talk about The Office, the U.S. version. If you're just joining us, catching up, got a lot of new listeners. Maybe we should say what our podcast does. What does it do? Uh, well, it does a lot of things, but mostly it entertains, it informs, and it keeps you up to date on the um, show that aired about ten years ago. This is a podcast where people that have seen The Office a lot basically get the experience of virtual reality of sitting with with a friend or two who are us talking mm-hmm. about the podcast, except we're not really giving them room to talk. Yeah, we just talk at you. And do you remember when we used to introduce the podcast as two new friends talk about The Office? But now we're old friends. We are. We've... Well, we we're think, like middle-aged. We're middle-aged friends. We're In dog years, we're about seven. That's true. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, it's been a long time. It's been too long to be new friends now. Yeah, we can't say two new friends talk about The Office. It's just two friends yeah. talk about The Office. Same old <laughs> Two co-hosts <laughs> talk about The Office. <laughs> but we're friends because of The Off-Five. That's true. Not in spite of it, exactly. like all my other friends. <laughs> oh man yeah we're talking about season two episode 17 it's called dwight's speech and it came out on march 2nd 2006 and don't you think this this episode is topical for um for september of 2018 why well i don't know it's just it's there's a lot of political undercurrents oh that are taking place in this episode and also today and I know we're not supposed to talk about politics, uh-huh. so we won't get into it too deep. But I'm just saying that some of the speech techniques that, that mm. Dwight is using could be reflected in today's political spectrum. I know we usually talk about the things we really liked in the episode, but I hated when he had everyone chant, lock her up, <laughs> Dwight. In this episode, Michael Scott helps Dwight Schrute with an important speech that he is going to give. Meanwhile, Jim Halpert plans a vacation to avoid Pam Beasley's wedding. Clean. Was that the Wikipedia uh, synopsis? It sure was. But it didn't even mention the C-plot of everyone fighting over the thermostat. Yeah. Which is what I always think of when I think of Dwight's speech. (laughs) The Uh, thrilling conflict that kind of gets left unresolved. Spoilers. Yeah. And probably is going on behind the scenes in a lot of the episodes. Um, And also at my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How's that going? I leave my window open all the time, so I don't really care what happens in the rest of the house. Which I know is probably really not helping our energy bill. Uh Uh-huh. You like it a little bit colder. Yeah, or hot, depending on what the weather is. (laughs) Whatever temperature does outside, that's what you like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I have a ceiling fan, so... Sue okay. me. Well, okay. <laughs> or maybe on what basis? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe pay for the energy bill. <laughs> okay, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> um, great Scott productions and trivia. 
This one's written by Paul Lieberstein. <laughs> Say his last name different every single time. <laughs> Lieberstein. It's like Diane Feinstein. You never know. You can't yeah, tell it because it's really know. up to that person. Harvey Weinstein. Wine. Yeah. <laughs> the Weinstein <laughs> Company. Um, and directed by Charles McDougall. The episode first aired in the United States. Oh, we already said that. Um, and I have just one little production thing. The speech scene employed over 500 extras. Oh, yeah. 500. That's a lot of people to pay for this. I would have loved to have been there. I would have done it for free. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people might have, but they probably would have left whenever they got bored. <laughs> I wonder how you sign up for something like that. Maybe Craigslist? Um, I know they were always getting movie extras when I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. You would just, you'd get, there would be like a call out. What if you were super good at it and then they asked you to be the main character of a show? You know what that is? What? The American Dream. Yeah, exactly. And the plot of Extra to Star. Uh, <laughs> Slumdog <HBO> Millionaire. <laughs> That's not what that was about. <laughs> I don't really know what that movie was about. It was such a weird a movie. A lot of things. <laughs> not like that movie. I uh, loved it. Did you? Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. There's some references in this episode, one of which is to Toastmasters. Yeah. Which was a club that started in 1905. And I don't know if you know this, but I was a Toastmaster. Really? Yeah. What does that entail? So basically what it is, it's like AA for people that drink or don't drink. It's unrelated, but (laughs) it's for people that want to public speak. And uh, you go and you read a manual and you give a series of structured speeches. Like you write them, but you focus on different aspects of speech giving. And then you become an expert toast well a toastmaster that's what you become what do you get when you get to that uh level a plaque or a laminated sheet of paper <laughs> they were out of plaques when yeah. <laughs> they stopped making plaques that year um yeah i don't know it's it was uh we just did it my wife and i for a few months or half a year or something like that and then lost interest oh so it was cool for a while but not super cool yeah i'm not really a joiner i just I just think of people just making toast, like, really well. Yeah, like, not too crispy. Yeah, just, like, golden brown. Yeah. When I first saw this episode, and up until pretty recently, I had no idea what Toastmasters actually was. Yeah, I've I thought it was, like, a it. game that that's what they were referencing. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a club. But it's, yeah, it's a really old club. Wow. Over 100 years old. Wow, that's cool. And, like, business people will take it, or just people that want to become better at public speaking. And I realize I don't, really. Maid of honor. <laughs> if yeah. you're the maid of honor, you should probably be in Toastmasters. Or if you're the bride. Well, they don't really make speeches. Oh, yeah, I knew that, of course. <laughs> How many weddings have you been to? <laughs> not that many, but I'm not as old as Michael. Well, speaking of weddings, Pam is planning hers. Um... That's not part of the Finer Things Club, though, because I didn't like that part of it. Mm. I feel like it makes it makes Jim feel uncomfortable and Angela. You're throwing some shade. Yeah. Well, and there's another big reference thing. In addition to, like, Lord of the Rings and all of Michael's comedy bits, there's also the speech itself. Oh, yeah. Mussolini. It's uh, kind of pieced together from Lenin. Mussolini and Karl Marx. The Lenin part is the no 
revolution is worth anything unless it can defend itself. But Karl Marx is the workers. Salesmen and women of the world unite. That's right. And Mussolini was blood alone moves the wheels of history. And it is a privilege to fight. That's one of my favorite lines of this whole episode is blood alone moves the wheels of history. Yeah. Powerful words. Yeah. And really got response from the crowd too. Yeah. Even though sales has nothing to do with that. (laughs) Well, sales figures will move the wheels of history. Yeah. Which is basically blood. Sure. Are we ready for the Finer Things Club? Yes. The segment where we talk about the things we liked in the episode. Yes. I liked um, the beginning, the opening scene of tossing the football around the office. Um, Especially when Jim says, can we not? And Michael said, yes, no, yes, we have to. (laughs) And then, of course, Dwight gets really into it by... Um, tackling even Stanley. Right. And he, well, he like runs, yeah, he runs into Stanley. He completely takes out Ryan. And even before that, he's kind of doing it too much. Yeah. He's like really into it. He's like moving slow motion. Yeah. I love how in that scene, the content of what they're saying is nothing. Yeah. I was watching the end to like see what they might be referencing. And it's like, should we tell corporate the thing? What could they say? And it was like, it doesn't make any sense. And Michael's reasoning is that he doesn't want to be cooped up in his office. So he has to come out and distract everyone. It's a great theme for this episode. Michael being a selfish narcissist. Yeah, he really is this episode. Um, I don't want to spoil that segment, but... Yeah, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. What else did you like about this episode? Um, There's a part where Dwight is asking about how he should do the speech and getting advice from Michael. And Michael says, just don't be an idiot. And he says, is that part of the advice or is... Wait, that an insult? Yeah, an insult or part of the advice. And he takes a moment, takes a sip and then says, an insult. Yeah, and I love that um, look that Michael gives the camera right after because it's from the side of his face. So he has to like look over. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one of the only times that people look at the camera in this episode, maybe besides Jim, but it was just a good acknowledgement that the camera crew was there and um, a great moment Absolutely. between them. It was. Absolutely. I also liked Michael's quote um, after the speech where they're in the bar and Michael's talking about why he wasn't there at um, for Dwight's speech. And he said, I capti- captivated the guy that captivated a thousand guys. A thousand guys. Yeah. That was, yeah, that's one of my favorite lines. I I feel like I quote that pretty often. Yeah, I think we've kind of made references to that on the podcast. A thousand guys. And it's crass, but the way that the salesman, saleswoman difference joke is crafted is so good. Where he says, what's the difference between a salesman and a saleswoman? Dwight says, vagina. Yeah. And he says, no, it's not a sex ed class. Boobs. Yeah, it's boobs. It's so good. It's so good that that Michael's like, no, Dwight, you're being overly literal. And that's just not funny. 
what you said. And then he says basically the exact same thing. Yeah. Because he says you're right about the difference between a man and a woman, but not the difference about not right about the punchline of the joke. And it kind of highlights that Michael is very literal with his jokes. Like he has a book of jokes that he had Pam read him. He doesn't improvise and change the details to make them his own. So he can't accept a punchline that is exactly the same, just as bad. Yeah, and that's probably why he couldn't share with Dwight his past speeches because they were probably just jokes from that book or, you know, entertaining, but just really literal and not actually funny. Question. Answer. Do you think that... The Daily Double. Michael's speech was actually good those two years? No, I don't. I mean, I I feel like it was probably just like one of his conference room um, meetings where everyone's kind of looking around like, why are we here? What is he talking about? So his references would have been a little bit fresher back then. True. But... He seems very aware that it's not going well this time. Do yeah. you think he forgot? <laughs> or did he like build himself up in the year since to think that he gave a great speech? Or was it something else? Hmm. Well, he was a different guy back then. I mean, he did have top salesman of the year two years in a row consecutively. So I think maybe maybe he did have a better speech than what he came to this conference with. But... Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. Like, I can't imagine Good Morning Vietnam not killing, <laughs> no matter what decade. <laughs> oh, my God. Pre that movie, nowadays. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Yeah, me either. Is it Airplane? It's called Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, I thought it was from Airplane. With Robin Williams. He just loves the movie Airplane, so. Does he? He's always saying, um, don't call uh, me Shirley. I feel like he doesn't get airplane. Like airplane's too good for Michael. Yeah, I, I think when he hits those other notes, police academy. That's about right. Yeah, true. Do you have anything else for the finer things club? Um, when he says I'm public speaking, stop public interrupting me. <laughs> uh, interesting note: you can't major in public speaking, like Jim says. Yeah, true. I mean, you could be in Toastmasters, but that's about it. And it's a part of communications degree, but should show. Uh, Dwight hyperventilating and clearing his throat before he gives the speech is pretty Aww. amusing. Poor guy. <laughs> the tension is so high at that point. You're not sure what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, I know. I mean, I we know. I, I've known for so long, but this time I was trying to imagine. What if I didn't know what was going to happen in this scene? And I think um, part of the tension building is that uh, song at the beginning of the conference. Dun, 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 dun. Y'all ready for this? Yeah, that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That sounded nothing like what I just said. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but Maybe, I'm not paid to. I'm not paid to do that kind of work. You know. Maybe that's a good song too. We can yeah. remix it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we'll have to go back to the tip because now it's like your copy. <laughs> Um, and then last thing is he says, I just like the moment when Michael says, it's not what you say. It's that you're saying something people care about. And then he which goes out make there. Any real sense. But then he goes out and just lies. Yeah. Which I mean, would make sense to that um, point. You have to say something that, what, what did he say? You have to say something people care about. Yeah. People care about a thousand dollar bonus. He says, it's what you say. 
it's not what you say. It's some saying something people care about. But that's not really true. Those are kind of the same thing. Like, it is what you say. It's like, not what you say, it's how you say it. That would make sense. Yeah. But that's, he doesn't say it that well. It's what happens is, it is what he says, and it's because he completely says something that's not true. Yeah, true. And like, Dwight did follow his advice by saying, it is not what you, or it's not how you say it, but Mm -hmm. it's some, say something people care about. Okay, people would care about Brad Pitt getting in a car accident, but it's not a positive thing. And so people's reaction are, is going to be different, you know? Because Michael gives them the good news and then gives him the job of going to tell them it's not true. <laughs> and then he goes, well, I guess he didn't public speak very well because it doesn't seem like they're very happy when they found out they were losing their public, their what? Their, their, their pu- bonus. <laughs> public <laughs> interruption. But yeah, I think... That's exactly the same mentality of the saleswoman versus salesman um, joke where Dwight is trying so hard to follow his advice to a T that he like gets it mixed up. Mm -hmm. I mean, because Michael's advice doesn't really make sense. Right. You know, in practical terms. And Michael's not a good teacher. No, he's not because he just shames. He, He doesn't like ever have any like constructive criticism it's all just you're an idiot like mm-hmm. you're not going to do well anyway so like and then oh here's some advice that's not really that good see you told you mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like yeah it's not good it's it's so weird because in this one we find out that dwight is the best salesman even though he can't we'll find out later sell to women and has a lot of personality flaws himself and that Michael was also the best salesman twice. It just really makes you not want to be a great salesman. Because if these two guys are the best at it, who would want to live that way? But Dwight might only be the best salesman because he stole Jim's huge sale, too. Back in Diversity Day? Yeah. yeah and he gets the prize, too. And um, Jim seems happy, though, with a pizza. I would have been happy with a pizza. What is he? What is he? The ninth best? Yeah. Question. There's 500 people at this stupid sales conference. The headliner is Dunder Mifflin's top salesman, even though presumably it could have been somewhere. It could have been someone from a different branch in a completely different state. But the conference is still in Scranton. It seems like because Angela's able to get there really quickly. It doesn't seem like they're leaving for too long. Then there's 500 people there. Jim's ninth, and he's not even invited. Who are yeah. all these people? Who the well? The that was of one people? of my questions. Was um, so the acronym is NESA. Mm-hmm. I was assuming that it stands for Northeastern Sales Association. Yeah. So, like, what are the other companies there? And do you only get to invite eight people? <laughs> yeah. And their manager or something. It doesn't make any sense at all. This or maybe five. Maybe you choose. Maybe you have five people. But no one else went manager. from Dunder Mifflin. True. No one else. Or went else from the we would have seen. We would have seen them. Like if David Wallace was there, we would have. He would have been part of the episode, right? Or Jan. Mm-hmm. It's and they're in the front row, and apparently they, they get just, to speak at every conference, like Dunder Mifflin, as long as they want. <laughs> yeah, because Michael does like 
and nobody leaves he either. Does a, he does a tight fifteen, and then if he if someone was doing that at a conference I was at, I would be like, okay, bye. I'm gonna go to the bar, just like Michael did. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, I'm someone done. Someone would have cut them, cut him off. I mean, you're at the Radisson. Go to the pool or something. You know, this whole conference. It seems sketchy. Yeah, it it's like a like a dream or like a weird fantasy. It doesn't make any sense that you would be in this gigantic room headlining this company that no one's ever heard of with all these weird looking white guys <laughs> and it's not like and women there yeah. wasn't that many there, there yeah there was none i saw zero except for angela it was like the the gop white house aid it was program, it know? was the white it was like they were showing off their new interns <laughs> oh my god yeah older. but yeah it, it was and maybe nonsense. that that um is why they all loved the Mussolini inspired speech because <laughs> they're all like I mean they're all like worker bee type middle class I'm assuming yeah white dudes that are like yeah I could join a revolution yeah that's just what I was looking for yeah I don't need fantasy football anymore <laughs> hang on to the fantasy football because yeah. I think Dwight's going home <laughs> <laughs> he's not gonna make America great again at all oh man so I had a few more things for finer things. Um, did you notice that there was a picture of a staff letter from Dunder Mifflin in Michael's closet in his office? He's showing his plaque mm-hmm. and there's a picture of the staff letter um, and there's a picture of Jan on it. Oh. So he is. Maybe you've mentioned that before. Has that been in a different episode? I don't think so. Yeah. Jan is just. There's a picture of Jan and it's like in his locker, basically. He's pining. <laughs> Which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, maybe not a finer things, but just an observation. Um, and then Dwight also failed the spelling bee on the word failure, which just is cruel. really sad. Yeah. yeah. It's really sad. Uh, he should have asked to use it in a sentence. Dwight is a failure. <laughs> Now if you don't it. spell this word right, you'll be a failure. 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 Um, yeah. I was in the spelling bee in sixth grade. I won. What? And then I before you, the... Oh. <laughs> Did you tell a story like this before, but you didn't win? Uh, yeah, when I was... Uh, when in I fifth got grade. out on sale. I got out on sale, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was right. I don't remember the word I won on, but... I did think I I told the spelling bee story. So if you're listening now for the first time, you should go back through all our episodes. Booze Cruise. Booze Cruise. Because it was about the sales and the sales. That's right. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) So go back and listen to that if you care. It's classic. It's classic Addy in sixth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Any other finer things? No. So we have a segment called we got to make sure YouTube comes down to film this, which I realized we've been describing in a lot of words when we could use fewer words. Here's the fewer word. YouTube? Mockumentary. Yeah, mockumentary. Question mark. Is this a mockumentary or not? And I have some bad news. What? I don't have any notes for it in this one. Do you have any? Can you save us? Yeah. Well, I kind of already talked about how Michael looks at the camera, um, the side view of his face, which I think is the funniest angle to get somebody looking at the camera because they have to 
move their eyeballs in their head to look over at it and say, oh, right. and say, did you hear that? Right. That insult? Oh, and then I also noticed um, that the documentary crew chose to focus in on the bobblehead that Dwight has just received from uh, Angela for Valentine's Day. A couple times, I think when he's trying to build up his confidence and think about how he's going to do the speech, they kind of angle in the bobblehead where he's looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it looks like he's like um, meditating with it or something. Yeah, which is kind of interesting um, and brings it back to the previous episode. And then the other thing I noticed was the angle of the camera at the conference because behind the speaker, there's a huge screen mm. with their face on it. And so you can kind of see their face straight on. And then the documentary crew is kind of on the angle. So it's kind of interesting to have that right. uh, two screen or two angle kind of view of the character. You could just see him close up too, uncomfortably. Yeah. You can see the sweat beads <laughs> on Question, Michael's head. Why the hell would you need that at this boring ass sales conference? You I don't, don't know. need to see the salesman of the year in excruciating detail. I don't know, but... Uh, Michael did love it, especially in the deleted scenes. He's like kind of playing with the, that angle or like having himself up on that screen. So narcissistic. Yeah. So that's all I had for the YouTube or the mockumentary question mark segment. Um, there wasn't a lot, but it did kind of add to a few of the scenes. I don't know if... It was specific to like a mockumentary style, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess, do you think the world is crawling with Phyllis's? Our look at each one of the characters is next up. Let's go through some minor characters about okay. that, and then yeah. we'll go up to the main four. Okay, the big four, as we call them. So Creed is talking about Hong Kong. Yeah, apparently he says hello, my Chinese friends. In <laughs> Mandarin Chinese, okay. even though Hong Kong mostly speaks Cantonese. Oh, interesting. That's I what didn't it know said that. Somewhere, some sort of trivia. And apparently his accent is very bad. Yeah, it seems a little contrived. <laughs> Creed also has a moment where he is air drumming in celebration of getting the bonus. It's really funny. It's when Stanley's on the phone saying, by the wallpaper, you can wallpaper the ceiling or whatever. He's just drumming, I guess like with pens or something, but he's just kind of drumming in the air. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, because he's completely out of focus. This is the first time I ever saw it. That's cool. And he I al- love Creed. He also changed the thermostat at some point, but I'm not sure whether or not it went up or down. Yeah, it seemed like every character was in on that. You know what's interesting about the thermostat like uh, subplot? What? Nothing. Yeah, I mean, except for that, I feel like that is kind of relatable. Yeah, I guess that's true. And kind of gives you a better idea of um, some of the characters, like Oscar, Mm -hmm. especially. Because he has a comment about it where he's like, you know, I work better at a lower temperature. And I don't care. Yeah, I don't care what anyone wants to do. Like, I'm going to put it down to this number. And then Kevin... I'm going to put it at 69. (laughs) Which is a popular sex act. Yes, exactly. That's why he thinks it's so funny. Exactly. Thank you for explaining that to our listeners. 
who may be a little naive. Yeah. Have you ever been to a wedding? Yes. Are you asking asking me? I'm asking the listeners. Oh, okay. (laughs) Type in one for yes or two for no. Or just leave us a review on iTunes. Oh, yeah. This is Pledge Week. And I know you're used to listening to NPR and they say, if you give this much money, we'll give you a tote bag. We're making you a great deal. No money. Leave us a written review on iTunes. No tote bag. But what will happen is that our egos will go through the roof, especially if it's a good review. Yeah. And that's all that you can ask for. But write it from the heart. Yeah. And if if you hate the episodes that we've done so far, we'll tear up. But we'll we'll still we're we'll gonna move thank, on. We're gonna thank whoever has written reviews in the next episode. We'll just say thanks and your name will be right here on the off five for all time. Bold flashing lights. Like the pyramids of Egypt. Yeah. Be there forever. Yes. So we'd appreciate that. Okay. Ryan gets tackled. Yeah, he gets tackled and then later on he um tells Kelly that he doesn't want to get married, which I feel like is pretty mild. I mean, especially since they only hooked up mm-hmm. once yeah. so far. So how is I mean, when Pam says, Pam's you know, be sensitive, mm-hmm. they're helping her put together her wedding invitations. Like you don't need to say like, hey, you need to be sensitive. Don't say you don't want to get married around someone that you're not even dating. She should have said, um, maybe try not to say things that make Kelly storm out of the room and stop helping. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we need this labor. Also, don't say anything about marriage because I'm getting married. So That's true. It's, Ryan she's should, projecting. Ryan should say what he feels. He, he should. He had, yeah. Her being interested in him is not a reason for him to pretend that he wants to be married. That's actually worse. Yes. To, like if someone's Kelly. like, hey, I like you. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to pretend I want to get married to string you along until the very moment when you say, oh, you want to get married? And then you say, no, I was just kidding the whole time because Pam told me I had to. <laughs> what the hell? Kelly is doing that, or she was. Tell him I just wanted, I'm just down for whatever. I don't want to get married, but she dropped the facade really quickly. Yeah, and then she did storm out of the room when he mentioned that he didn't want to. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Is Storm the right word? Because she's like sad. Yeah, she moped out. She had to go out to the balcony. But you know what? Kelly also, her character, her gossip-loving character, is chugging right along with her saying that Brad Pitt was in the car accident as karma for breaking up with Jennifer Aniston. And she has fantastic hair in this episode. Yeah, she does. Nice and and cool. really good style. Yeah, she said pretty bad hair in some of the other episodes yeah like no it's fine because it's an office not a fashion show but now she's she's putting some effort it up in. Yeah. yeah she has a nice maroon blazer on that looks really good um and i mean the brangelina brad jennifer aniston thing it's still going on i saw a tabloid the other day with um an angelina jolie like jennifer aniston quarrel thing on the front cover and i was like how long do we have to put these people through the ringer you know yeah brennifer brendifer yeah justin thoreau and jennifer anderson are broken up and they're broken up angelina was on a date with justin thoreau to get back at uh 
Rachel from Friends. Are they making a love square? I don't know, but that's kind of what they were implying in this um, tabloid. And I was so, I was like, I need to read this article. These late 90s. Why? Why, Addy? Why do you need to read this? (laughs) These late 90s stars need to put aside their differences. Yeah, I just all go to coffee. Go to two couple counseling. Yeah, exactly. Two couples at the same time, it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yeah, that's still still a thing. (laughs) Wow. You're the Kelly of this podcast now. (laughs) No. (laughs) Ryan's also a great observer of character when he notes that Jim is kind of does the same thing. It's kind of condescending. He says he eats the same ham and cheese sandwich, even though we know he's big tuna. That's what I was wondering. That was one of my questions was he eats the same ham and cheese sandwich every day. Um, I'd bet he'd have a fun weekend in what Philadelphia or something, mm-hmm. which actually does sound like a fun weekend. Sounds so like I don't know why you're trying to knock that. But um, yeah, what what's up with ham and cheese? I thought he ate tuna. <laughs> yeah, Ryan just got a little bit of the details wrong, but point is he does the same thing all the time. Yeah, he does. He's he, a creature of habit. Yeah, not like Ryan. He's going places, going to business school. Going to corporate, going to rehab. The bowling alley. Whatever, wherever life takes him, man. Yeah. Um, we had a little window into Toby's post-divorce drug binge. In Amsterdam? Yeah, to Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, also, Toastmasters is not a drinking thing. <laughs> you don't have to, that's not part of it. Yeah, I love how Michael was satisfied with that when he's like, that's not a toast. And yeah. then Toby says... To Amsterdam, and Michael's like, all right, (laughs) cool, thank you. There's a thing at Toastmasters where it's called table topics, and someone comes up with a topic, and then you have to go up and give a two to three minute completely improvised speech. That's cool. That was my favorite part. What did you give a a speech on? Oh, I I don't remember. I gave, it was like a week or a month. I don't know, but you just like make up. I don't know. You just like make something up. That's cool. I did debate club in high school and I had to do that once. Yeah. But it's harder when you're a high school student and you, you know, don't Mm. know things about stuff. (laughs) You don't know things about stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So so one of the things you have to do in Toastmasters is use your body language and make gestures, much like Dwight is doing, and, and then move around the room. Like, oh, that's hard. Like I'm doing right now. Yeah. And, the, like, and, and I'm demanding a lot of attention with my yeah. confidence. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm done with this speech, you can give me some constructive compliments about <laughs> how it went. <laughs> so I think you were you were moving a little fast because you did four circles around the room in 10 seconds, which was a little weird, especially oh. because... You didn't have the microphone with you the whole time? Okay, great. That's thanks. Uh, I'm good at taking compliments. You were throwing, so. throwing your voice too much. That's a skill I learned in the back of Boys Life magazine. Hold on. Hey! Who said that? Come back over here. Okay. I'm back. Uh, so then we have Michael. Oh, no. Then we have Angela. She does something mildly unethical by pretending to be sick. 
I've got the black lung. <laughs> um, the very best of luck to you, Dwight. <laughs> yeah. And she's filming him, right? Which is bizarre because it's like a camcorder. Yeah. And she's got a hoodie on. Could she just been invited to this thing? I mean, yeah. that would have been that would have been definitely showing her hand a little bit. Or couldn't she just use her cell phone to record it? No. Not in 2006 with an equality. Yeah, I guess she needed to use one of those like little handheld things. It's been like a flip phone, the worst resolution ever. Plus she wanted to probably watch it on her TV later. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what she was doing? Mhm. Eating popcorn. Mhm. And watching it. Watching it over and over again on loop with her cats. And probably and with Dwight. Dwight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dwight, this part was the best when you when you breathe real fast. The heavy breathing at the beginning. Yeah, and also when they're watching the video. <laughs> yeah, so Angela takes a sick day. It's probably worth it a for A sick that. half day. Yeah, it's worth it for that. Um, I don't think there were any other minor characters really doing anything. Meredith wasn't doing much. Um, Stanley has a, is he a will he, won't he with wallpaper? Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. And in the end, they, they put the wallpaper on hold. Probably. I do love that moment, though, where he's, like, getting mad about, oh, the, yeah. about whether or not they're getting the bonus or not. And then he's like, conference room. And he's just like, cancel the wallpaper. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> he knows what's coming. Oh, Who do you think he was on the phone with? Cynthia? Yeah, probably Cynthia. Yeah. Yeah. Get the wallpaper. I bet they got really ugly wallpaper. They Who had, the hell gets wallpaper? They probably had really bad taste anyway. Mm. Just get a fresh coat of paint, you know? Well, I heard that wallpaper is making a comeback recently from a very hip person. Really? Yeah. I can see some wallpaper making a comeback, but the wallpaper that I'm picturing Stanley getting is like stripes that are like maroon and emerald. Each one says Tommy Bahama on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like the, Just not good. No. I, I think it's good, ultimately, that he didn't blow his whole bonus on that stupid wallpaper. I agree. But we've got Dwight, Pam, Michael, and Jim. Let's start with Dwight. Dwight starts with a heavy breathing. Like we said, that was a... That was a that's still like a tension-building moment where you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if he's gonna blow it you mm-hmm. don't know if he's gonna just run off stage you don't know if he's gonna take michael's advice and go with a funny speech and then ultimately goes with jim's advice which i think worked out pretty well in the end pretty well pretty pretty well at first he's kind of lording his win over jim yeah early on mm-hmm. in the episode but he's really trying to learn a lot in this episode. Other yeah. than a moment of confidence where he's talking to Jim, feeding himself grapes in a very dangly fashion, which I've done before. How Have is you ever it? Done that? No. It's uh, seductive. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, I don't know why I did it. Probably like Aladdin or something. Just like eating, oh, having yeah. grapes like lowered into your mouth. Where you're just like laying down and you just can't be bothered to pluck one. So you just do it by your mouth. Yeah. Because so you don't want your dirty hands on the grapes. Yeah. Just everyone else at the grocery store's dirty hands on the grapes. And all the pesticides. 
Mmm. Mmm, pesticides. I like frozen grapes, personally. What? So, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had the pleasure of a, of a frozen grape. I am now. Now all I'm thinking about is eating frozen grapes straight off the stem while laying down. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yes, that is what I said. <laughs> Thank so that's, you. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, uh, Pam, question: Why is she doing her wedding stuff at the office? Why does she have to? Because it's coming up soon, and she doesn't have more time. Because it's March, and that's gonna be in June. And she doesn't have a lot of stuff to do at the office it's besides just, answer phones. So she's like, yeah, I have to do it. She doesn't have a lot of support at home. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that he's doing is getting a DJ. All he's done is set the date. Yeah. He said he's going to get a DJ and he used his connections to get their reception set up at the VA. Mm-hmm. Or the VFW. They said VA. Oh, VA. Veterans. Affairs? Yeah. Cool. Sounds like I feel like veterans shouldn't have affairs. Should stay with their spouses. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say sounds like a chill time, but. (laughs) It's a swingers club. I went to the VA once to play bingo. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I'll have a, could I have a gin and tonic, please? At the bar. And they're like, we don't sell, we don't serve alcohol during bingo. And I was like, okay, I'll just have a beer. They're like, no, we don't have any type of alcohol. I was like, why are you even playing bingo here? Yeah. Like, what do you do? Sober bingo? <laughs> Sober bingo is the worst. <laughs> There's no point. Fine, wow. I'll have a Pepsi. <laughs> uh, there was a really cool VFW in Santa Fe and a band I really like called S-T-R-F-K-R, pronounced Starfucker, was played there. And it was really? off the wow. hook. It was so good. I heard, I heard they're really good live. I've seen them like eight times, but that was one of the best ones. Cool. VFW. Mm-hmm. They probably got a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they had a hookup. Yeah. Maybe they know Roy. Um, Pam got her dress, and she says that Jim's her closest friend. But yeah, Jim is going on a trip. And question. Yes? Who uses travel agents? <laughs> I was like, why don't you go on? I mean, I know Travelocity, Kayak. I know all those sites where available in the early 2000s 2006 oh well you would think that a travel agent might offer the custom uh you know package plan that you want for a person that doesn't even know where the hell they're going which is what jim is but he doesn't use them for that purpose as soon as he they ask him where he's going he hangs up and then putters around the office so he should have been like i don't know where's a cheap place to go that time Where's yeah. a good place? To go? Like it's the one thing you should actually use your travel agent for, and he neglects to do that. In which case, he definitely should have just used a website. Yeah, because he goes over to the globe and spins it around until he puts his finger on a place that he might want to go. I used to do that. Usually, the ocean. Yeah, because it's eighty percent of the world. I've taken so many vacations to the bottom of the ocean now. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Different parts yeah. of the ocean over and over again. And it's like. Just go to Philadelphia for the weekend. like. So I couldn't quite see, but when he spins it around and it ends up back on America, I think it's supposed to be like basically right on Pennsylvania. But I couldn't really tell. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't really see that either. I thought it was like, I thought it was South America, but maybe you're right. His finger was a little higher. That's true. 
you don't get to pick where it lands, but you do get to pick the uh, longitude. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, like, you're not going to accidentally end up in Australia if your hand's on the top of the globe. Yeah, so he did end up deciding on Australia, which is one of the most expensive places to travel to. Mm-hmm. And is, I mean, by all accounts, pretty similar to the United States. Mm-hmm. So, just go to Philadelphia or just go to the wedding. Or just it's tell be a great Pam. Time. Yeah. You get drunk and tell Pam how you feel right before the wedding. Or just tell Pam that, like, when, you know, they say, or Pam says to Jim, yeah, it's on June 10th. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm leaving on June 8th. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's too bad. Don't say, yeah, that is too bad. Just say, yeah, I just don't feel like I could see you getting married. You know? Like, it would be too hard for me. Ouch. Well,. Yeah, I don't know if it's the is that the moment right there was. Well, obviously it's not because he didn't do it. But but I'm just like I don't know. I was saying like if when she said if he could have decided that earlier when she first said the date when Roy said it on the boat he could have just been like well I'm out of town then and I'll be like where and he was like I'll tell you later <laughs> after my phone call. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like he's making too obvious of of an excuse, you know. And Dwight says you're not going on any trip. Question: Did he go on the trip? No. The non-refundable tickets. Well, we'll have to keep watching. I will say... And we'll keep track of the timeline because... It would have been during the summer, which would have been in between seasons. When... In between seasons two and three. So did they... Did they break up? Did Roy and Pam break up before? Well, I don't really know when they broke up. She got her own place by the time season three started. And... Because it's March right now, right? We've got a little bit... Season two is wrapping up, kind of. Sad. but It is sad. But the summer always takes place in real time in the office during the summer. Or it usually does. So his whole move to... Um, what's it called? Stamford would have been during the summer. So he could have conceivably still gone. Paul Lieberstein said he didn't go. But he just blew all that money. Non-refundable tickets, he said. I know, especially to Australia. That's... Those are expensive tickets. Yeah. Yeah. I used to um, live there. And the money I saved by not having to fly every day was amazing. You mean fly from Denver to... To Australia. Instead, I just I just crashed there in the house that I lived in. That's, that's probably a smart travel decision. Yeah. I don't know if I could have afforded it flying every day. Yeah. Probably not. I was a kid. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what was happening. No job. Um, you know, well, actually, that's all I got for Jim. Me too. And all I have for Michael is nothing. Question. Jim got ninth place in the salesman. Do you think anyone else in the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin got on the top 10? No, because the only other salesman would be... Doesn't Stanley do pretty well? Stanley, Phyllis... Um, I don't really think that, is it including all of the Northeastern sales people or is it all of Dunner Mifflin? I think it's just Dunner Mifflin. Maybe Andy's in there. Uh, no, he's not. Later on, they say he's not very good at selling. Yeah, that's right. And then right. Dwight says someone who barely outsells Phyllis, I think. Yeah. I don't. Is that really what we're talking about? But I, Phyllis isn't supposed to be that great either. But Stanley is. Yeah, Stanley's solid. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. 
They probably would have mentioned maybe it. Maybe Stanley did get higher and he got a cash prize. And that's oh. why they're talking about doing the redecorating. And then when he finds out about the thousand more dollars. He's like, do the wallpaper. Yeah. But then hmm. they cancel it. But but they were already going to, you know, paint or something. Yeah. With that money that he won. Possibly. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that's what I choose to believe. Okay. But I'll allow it. Great. Great. Moving on. Michael. Michael. Narcissist. Man. So this is a segment called You Never Expect You're the Murderer. And I have to say, I think Michael might be the murderer in this one. He is. Yeah. Although he does let... There's one redeeming thing and it's it's that he lets Dwight have a moment to himself before he goes up to the speech by distracting the audience so but he still just wants that old limelight again true i don't i I know what you mean i was thinking about that it's like yeah it was nice that he bailed him out because what a terrible thing to have to do but i just thought he was gonna kill so hard that he didn't really think of it as a big deal in fact i think he probably thought like i'll just go up there warm him up because i'm like such a natural at this maybe it'll be helpful but i wouldn't also put him past it if he thought that way when they see dwight speak they'll they'll have gotten some entertainment because they'll see what a real speaker looks like or something like that. Yeah, and I think the proof of that is that he just left for the bar when Dwight started kind of killing it. He also tells Dwight in this one not to be an idiot, not to do, that he's going to do a bad job, that he's barely going to be able to save him. It's the most important speech of your life. Yeah, he like raises the stakes and lowers his confidence. Yeah. And he says that assistant to the regional manager basically means or no assistant regional manager means nothing it's made up after all of that after like giving him the assistant regional manager as like a like a gimme at the end of one of those other episodes and you know what i think is the the seal of the deal is at the bar when dwight is giving his full attention to michael mm-hmm. telling the story of how the woman forgot her id Mm-hmm. And Dwight is just um, in enraptured. He just gives him a moment to say it was so great. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. He doesn't do anything else. And yeah, you're right. Like Dwight gives him all the attention that Michael should be giving him or he should have just stayed in the room. So like as a just as a comparison, that's a really great moment to show you what a horrible person Michael is because you know he tells this like not interesting story mm-hmm. still takes credit for everything mm-hmm. yeah Michael and, Mike and to think I just gave him a dundee Michael says at the end and I know it's dripping with irony but he's like I entertain a guy that entertained a thousand guys in a lot of cases that would be something eh, like you played guitar and Eric Clapton said it was good Eric Clapton plays guitar and all these people like it, right? So then for like, whatever. But the difference is, this would be like if that same thing happened, but you had played before Eric Clapton and no one liked it. Yeah. So he said he entertained a thousand people by entertaining Dwight. But when he was up in front of the people, he could not entertain them. Or if you just played a song, um, an Eric Clapton song that wasn't that good for someone who really loved you and they pretended like they liked it 
And then you just took that as like, wow, I'm the best. Or you played an Eric Clapton song for someone that really loved you and they left to go make a drink while you were playing it. And then when you came over to ask them what you thought of the song, they, they told, told you, you a story about having seen the, the mailman drink. walk by. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's what it's like. Make all the attention about yourself. It's so insecure that you can't watch someone else succeed. And it's just disappointing. It is disappointing. disappointing. It's like, that's the worst type of management style. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is to like, like throw somebody under the bus repeatedly. Yeah. He sets Dwight up for failure with the bonus example. He brings up that he won twice, like five or six times. You know, consecutive. Every time someone says anything about him winning, he goes, yeah, twice. You know, do you remember your speech? Yeah, both of them. You know, oh, the most important speech of your life. The not having a plaque and um, and getting the the certificate instead reminds me of that's right. One year they gave me two plaques in lieu of a pay raise. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Michael. Oh, and he's never Murder. been invited to a wedding, and I think that speaks to. Well. We'll see him at weddings later, and I think it's pretty clear why no one would choose to have him at their wedding. Marriage is what brings us together today. He probably had to look up how a wedding goes before Phyllis and Bob's. Um, so... Who are you going to give the Dundee to? Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will take it away. I could be wrong, but it doesn't really feel like there's any other options. For the Dundee this year or this episode. Besides Dwight. Right? Yeah. Who else could get it? Jim and Pam are disappointing. Everyone else is just like, whoa, Oscar sure owned the thermostat for a few minutes. Like I mean Angela could for like Yeah. But it's not Dundee worthy. I mean Dwight. She just, she just called him sick to go film someone in the back. But you saw when Michael walked by her. <laughs> but she's trying yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, Dwight deserves the Dundee from both of us, I think. Um, you know, it just goes to show that his, um, well, I think it's interesting how the show used his, um, techniques Mm -hmm. to kind of let you know that, that those techniques do work on people, Mm -hmm. or at least in their view, you know, because everyone's shouting and like everyone is excited and... Maybe they're doing it because they have to, but... Well, they didn't do it for Michael. Yeah, that's true. and it's Not really, even pity laughs. Yeah, and it's cool to see that, like, contrast. It shows them, like, s- sit up and lean forward when he starts pounding. Yeah, and um, it just shows that, that his techniques taken straight from dictator playbooks work, even on salesmen. Mm-hmm. So, and I liked his example of... You know, I say salesman and you may conjure up images of a charlatan or a used car dealership. And he's just kind of giving people the power. Yeah, getting their honor back. Yeah. The forgotten men and women of America. Yeah. Mostly men, white men. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did like that one where he's like, let's reclaim our career. And here's the thing about salesmen. Uh... I don't like them. 
I don't think that their job is necessary at all. Good products sell themselves. Yeah, and that's I think true. that every time a salesman is interacting with you, they are trying to get you to buy something that you wouldn't otherwise buy. Sometimes they're to like give you information, but there are so many jobs now in our society that are giving information that are not salesmen, like bloggers, you know, and, and writers of yeah, just anything. People that write reviews, yeah, people that help you at like Best Buy are not getting commission and stuff, you know. Not that I been to a Best Buy in a decade, but you know what I mean? Like there's people that serve that same purpose of informing you without getting a commission. And every time someone's getting a commission and they're interacting with me, I'm like, I'm paying this person because that's what commission is, is I'm paying too much and then they get it. And I don't like that system. So I do feel like it's good for them to feel like their lives are worthwhile, even though I think being a salesman is not that. Um, I mean... It's a fine way to make a living. I, I definitely apologize to any salesmen that are listening, but it's it's not something that I would say is like a super honorable job that, that is necessary. Yeah, it's like a manipulation tactic, kind of, mm-hmm. to get people to buy something that... I mean, you might not even be totally convinced is worth it. You know, like, I, I'm not convinced that Jim thinks that Dunner Mifflin paper is better than any other paper, Mm-mm. but he's going to tell you that it is to try to get a living, you yeah. know? And they have customer service, but why Why do you need the salesman? But it's like, it's not their fault. No. It's like they're part of the system. Mm-hmm. They're just, uh, you know, a brick in the wall. And that's why Dwight's speech in this episode like really hits home for them mm-hmm. because they're the same audience that these dictators that he's copying would have been um you know it takes all kinds yeah including sales persons yeah yeah so i mean that's just part of paper is boring it's practically all the same people have to go out and actually sell it it's i don't know it's ridiculous but apparently Dwight really sparked something in them. Even though I think it's unrealistic in a way. The level that those people react to his. That like nobody's thinking, what the hell? You know? Like everyone goes on board. Because those rallies yeah. work, you know, political rallies. Certain unnamed guy. But people choose to go to him. They're not just like, you can't just go and like get that reaction out of like people that were like previously like what can i leave yeah that's true i just think that like having paper as the thing that they're selling like you said it's like relatively similar to every other type of paper you could buy mm-hmm. you just, have to make it special yeah it goes to show that this is like such a monotonous um job and so how do you I mean, there are two approaches. You know, you have humor or you have this, like, manipulation tactic to get everyone involved, and it worked for him. It is literally the highest honor that a Northeastern Pennsylvania-based regional... Sales. Can win. <laughs> yes. Besides the pizza, I don't know. I'd rather do that. I'd rather have the pizza. Cogino's. Yeah, Tasty I'd rather... delicious pizza. I mean, I don't know how it compares to Alfredo's Pizza Cafe... Or Crazy Carl's, but I'm just saying, like, I'd rather have a pizza than have to make a speech. Well, how does this episode compare to Alfredo's Pizza Cafe? 
the rating. I would say that it would be spot on with Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. Oh, okay. If not, I'd go a little stitches. Um, Actually, no, I was thinking Beach Day. Really? I just always quote this episode. Really? And I think it's like a quintessential um, episode that like is like illustrates why I like The Office because of what I said before where it's like highlighting the monotony of Mm -hmm. selling paper and um, it's bringing in this, this like historical like speech tactic that works on these people. Basically the A plot. Yeah, the A plot. Yeah. I was gonna go a little stitious because I just don't think I like I do like the A plot a lot, but I just think the B plot with the invitations and the C plot with the thermostat are Boring. monotonous in a bad way. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. cuz the characters don't even really interact that much during them. And yeah. and whatever Pam's doing it, it's like she just planning it and then she stops and Jim overhears it and he wanders away and it's like I don't know it just doesn't really excite me in the way of some of the other more dynamic interactions that come out of office things but should we meet in the middle yeah Alfredo's Pizza Cafe all right perfect par for the course (laughs) which means four out of seven just as good oh sports metaphors now they're actually playing sports yeah did Jan teach him how to how to throw and catch a football? I mean, Pam knows how to throw a football. I like when he catches it and he goes, good catch. When he catches it. Yeah. Yeah, when Michael good catches catch. it. Good catch. Because it's right after he threw it at Kevin and almost knocked him into the wall. Yeah. And then it was actually just a good throw. But he says, good catch. Yeah, because he threw it practically right into his arms. Yeah. Like a, like how you would throw a baby. Exactly. S- spiral. Just spiral yep, it right into spiral, their arms. Spiral, pull down a little on the back Support uh, the neck. spinal cord oh, yeah. so that it'll spin a little <laughs> yeah the notches right there yeah the notches are notches in the spine like that uh nutrimilk hotel song anyway oh, yeah. <laughs> all right well that has been another episode of the off five that's true i would again like to ask if people would leave us a review it would mean so much to us we only have two written reviews. And I was kidding about our ego going through the roof. Like, we would only just be slightly happy. Mm-hmm. Mild, mildly happy. And I think that would be great. Yeah. It'd be a big step up for me. Me too. <laughs> I would go from a three out of 10 to Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. <laughs> oh, man. I'd be sitting right up a bound. You wouldn't believe it. Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. <laughs> and- you would not believe it. <laughs> And uh, again, check out the Dunder Mifflin Con Facebook page and look it up because they need they need a little support. Donate some of your time or some of your money, which is the same as time, <laughs> but in a way is different. Especially if you're a salesman. You can't donate your time through PayPal. Yeah, and put some money aside to buy a plane ticket to Scranton, Pennsylvania in 2020. Start one of those jars like an up. And every time you say a bad word, or every time you mention the office, put in a dollar. Yeah. And every time a tree falls on your house, break the jar with a hammer. To use it to pay for your roof. Yeah. And new wallpaper. Yeah. Wallpaper the ceiling. Yeah. If you want, go for it. Actually, uh, cancel the wallpaper. But also check out our Instagram, because 
we're going to start telling you every week exactly what we're drinking to power this episode. Oh, yeah. Our last segment. Yes. What's it called? It is called... One of Everything. One of Everything. Or... Second Drink. Splendid and Scotch. Okay. Well, let us know on Facebook in our Finer Things Club, the listener group, what we should call it. But this evening, I was drinking a 90 shilling by Odell Brewing. And I was drinking, um, I love Alaskan Amber, um, so I just decided to try this Alaskan Cranberry Tart that I got at CNC Liquor. Um, anyway, that's what powered our podcast tonight. Blood alone moves the wheels of history. All right. <laughs> See you later. What was that? What? Blood alone is the whales of history. (laughs) It is a privilege to fight.